Coming up on today's show, we talk promoters and streaming services and hear from EMI General Manager Frank Galusha. Let's go. The following program is rated MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Green flag waving for the always exciting Sheldon Hutchild. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall in turn four. Lot one for Sheldon Hutchild. Quick time! Off turn four. Quick time! Ten, zero, three, zero. Second lap time for David is quick. What is happening, everybody? We are back for another week of Quick Time, the podcast. Josh, you made it for a second week, man. Uh, how did your first show go? It went pretty well. Not too bad. Uh, got used to a little bit more than I thought I was going to, a little faster. But yeah, all good. You get, uh, you get used to hearing yourself on the uh, on the old podcast and how your voice sounds, because uh, I hate the way mine sounds. You know, I my wife kept giving me grief that I sound like I'm a mile away from the microphone, so I'm going to try this week to talk a little bit more into the mic. <laughs> yeah, that definitely. The talking into the mic is key. Uh, so how was your uh, how was your week? I mean, did you get any feedback from any of your friends of listening to the show? You know, I heard I got a lot of heat, a lot of feedback from a lot of people that really love the show. Um, a lot of people that don't normally listen to the show that you know they wanted to tune in just to see what it was all about. Um, I mean, all in all, it's probably a good week for a lot of good good things for it. Yeah, definitely. I made myself uh, made, made myself I made my presence known at Eagle Raceway this uh, past weekend, and uh, a lot of comments uh, that everybody was glad to hear. Quick time was back, so. Uh, it's a pretty good night of racing. Uh, track kind of sucked, in my opinion. But what are you gonna do when you had all this uh, this rain and and whatnot? It's, I mean, I don't know. It it's, seemed rough all over the place at Eagle when I watched the stream of it. It wasn't as rough as you thought it might have been, but I mean, it just, I don't know. The racing was a little lackluster. About the only buddy make making any moves was uh, Stu Snyder coming up from the back and and finishing second. Well, and you also had Danley and Grossenbacher, weren't they? Kind of throwing their name. I mean, they were. They were. Call I mean, him, you had you had mail. a couple of rookies up on the front row with Cole Vanderheiden starting up front and uh, Derek Crawl. He he just graduated up from the midget ranks down at Cam Raceway. Uh, started on the pole. I think he started on the pole. He started on the front row regardless, and I led a lot of. Uh, he led a lot of that race, yeah, and, and you know you can tell the experience of Dan Lee and Snyder and all the guys coming from the back definitely played played a factor. We noticed that Stu runs this line in in three and four that it's he starts high and cuts middle, not low. It's like a middle line. Kind of like how Shot used to do at Nationals, how he'd always have this middle line and no one else had. And it's he's the only one that runs it. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, and Stu has his own unique line. And, you know, there's, there's a Grossenbacher line out there, uh, rip to lip, just like a, you know, like he a, runs like a it man just, does. He runs it just like a 360 in there. I mean, when I watch it on the stream, it's like, that's who I remember. I mean, it doesn't even look like a 305 when he's doing that. Yeah, you should come out the racetrack and see what it actually <laughs> looks like. You know, I, I'm, I need to get out there this year. My neighbors keep razzing on me to get to come out there and go with them but yeah. is this the same neighbor that came out to the midget race a couple years ago that i ran yeah when i ran was, into you yeah it was brad uh, those guys i took them out to that midget race is brad brad schmally and uh, uh nick bauer and it was hilarious i never went road tripping to a race just got you know just the guys not family or anything like that and shoot nick was i was the designated driver and it was like let's get bush light and beatrice 
And they were like, let's Start see how many them before yeah. we leave the parking lot. Yeah, let's Hell see yeah. how many we can get in before we even get to the races. And I'm like, well, he's like, what are you drinking, Mountain Dew? Good, keep drinking that because we're going to sit in the back seat and we're drink. Getting, we're getting buckled tonight, <laughs> boys. I was like, this is different. <laughs> <laughs> I miss those days of going out the racetrack and just getting actually buckled. But uh, my position down in the infield, you don't want that. No, no. And they really enjoyed going to the pits. They've never been to the pits in the races. They were always in the stands during the race and you know, the first thing they told me was the coolest thing is sitting on the top of a trailer watching the races and compared to sitting in the stands. Yeah, it's amazing what uh, we take for granted sometimes when we have access and we go in the pits weekly and we get to know the drivers and kind of go and, hey, I'm going to go stand on your trailer for this race or whatever. When you bring a new guy out there, a new fan out there, that's the stuff that gets people hooked and they want to come back. Yes, and you, they get to be around the driver with no one else around them. You get to see how they actually act and not, you know, I'm going to act a certain way because I'm around everybody. I mean, you see the passion way easier when you're in the pits during the races. Yeah, definitely. I know uh, you made some notes this week. Uh, <laughs> you, you contacted uh, Oh, I'd be racing Brad Brown and, saw, and uh, picked his brain a little bit. You know, I, I I texted Brad and I said, hey, you know, give me how you did your list. And he pretty much told me, he goes, you know, I just talked about things I wanted to talk about that week or that I watched. And so I kind of made a list and emailed it over to you to see what you thought. Um, first thing I had, which obviously was the thoughts from the 305s at Eagle, which we pretty much talked about. The second one I got is uh, the the season battle out at Eagle between Stu, Trevor, and Danley. I mean, for a guy that I haven't really watched much out at Eagle, those three guys seem like they're the cream of the now, crop. Are you talking Jason Danley or are you talking uh, Joey Danley? The one with the Empire Fence That's Joey. sponsor. Joey's, and, a, Joey's a hell of a driver. Joey, Joey to me, and you have those three guys – I never really watched Joey race, and boy, he's fun. Joey's he's, yeah, Joey's one of those kids that kind of he graduated up from a sport, not a sport mod, but a, a tuner. Went into sport mod, and then um, he grew a set of balls and strapped in his sprint car. You know how many of those guys have moved up from different ranks to to try a three hundred five? There's there's a couple guys out there. I mean, you look at Gunner Pike. He he jumped out of sport mod. He's running three hundred five, but he had some unfortunate luck this past week down at, at Denison and he's destroying yeah, good. destroying a car. Um, off the top of my head, I don't really know if I, if you put a list of the, uh, the points in front of me at Eagle race, I could tell you who's all moved up, but there's, there's been a handful of guys. And I mean, that's, that's kind of what those support glasses are is, you know, the feeder series to to get to the, uh, the upper ranks. Well, and the way Stu put it last week is he said, you know, you don't need a lot of money to jump in a three Oh five. If you just want to put some laps in, learn how to do it. But it seems like these younger guys, they're hungry. They want to do something. They don't want to just sit and be in the back of the pack. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the points battle, I mean, it's really, in my opinion, too early to talk about points. Uh, I know Stu's not running for points out there. He's going to miss a couple races running the Belleville. Um, I would assume Trevor, being the family man that he is now, he's going to be missing some races. He'll stay home. So yeah. um, I think I think it's probably going to come down to both Danleys at the end of the year for points out there. Jason who, and Who won the title last year? You remember? I'm just curious. I, didn't. I think it was Joey. But was it Joey? I okay. think. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Trevor was right there Yeah, if I know him. Yeah, I can um, barely remember what I did last night, <laughs> let alone what happened last year. So so a good conversation. This is one that me and you both agreed on that should have been covered. Was thoughts about the Terre Haute promoter complaining about flow racing, taking away from his fan count, and Nos giving out free drinks at the track when there's a different energy drink at his stand. I mean, you bring in you bring in a USAC race, you better read that contract because it's going to say we're streaming the freaking race, right? And our sponsors are going to hand out products. It's, I mean, it's kind of given. Well, and Dirt Tracker put it the best. He's like, 
this helps the sport. It doesn't hurt it. And it, it actually probably puts more money back in your pockets than you realize. I don't, I don't know what flow gives to the racetracks or the series or whatever. I don't know the number wise, but I do know a streaming service is not going to keep anybody that was not already going to stay home right. from going to the racetrack. I'm not going to drive out to Terre Haute and go watch a race I know, on, a, but on a single day. Even if I was in Terre Haute, right down the road, I'm I'm going to go to the race if I'm going to go to the race. And the streaming service, oh, it's, it's not keeping me from going to the race. You know, and you made a good point when I you told me one time, you're like, why don't you just black out the area? Yeah. If, if, that's, if that's truly what you believe that it's hurting your account, why not just say, all right, everybody in this area, you can't stream it. I mean, it's just like MLB and NHL. You can, you can put blackouts. Yeah. I mean, I have the MLB package, and I don't get to watch the Royals. Yeah, which, I got the NHL stuff and I can't watch avalanche. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but that's, that's normal. I mean, you, but you pay extra to have their broadcast, but they get the money from it. Yeah. I mean, really you could turn around and do it that way where the track can say, all right, if you want to get it, it's an extra 10 bucks, like a pay-per-view race. Yeah. And, and the fact that you're, you're mad cause you're not selling bang bang sucks. <laughs> I never <laughs> I tried mean, bang. <laughs> I mean, and, and I mean, he had a lot of, he had a lot of factors going on that, on that race. I mean, he was talking about Sunday night that, oh, flow racing one Sunday night. Well, you rained out on Saturday night. It was Sunday was a makeup race, making up for the rain out. I mean, it's a Sunday night. Sunday nights are hard draws anyways, because um, I don't know about you, but I got to work in the morning. Yeah, that's why I watch Houston's. Houston's is on Sunday night. It's kind of like my kids getting ready to go, like if they're going to school or week starting. I mean, a Sunday night is actually perfect for streaming. Yes, I can understand how it would be horrible for a track to get people to come. But to me, as a guy that sits and streams most of these things, it's it's great. Yeah, the people that are missing the race, like I said, I all preach this all day long that they weren't going to the race anyways. I mean, the fact that it was on streaming is not keeping them from going to the race. So, no, and and to be all honest, what it, if you could say a percentage? What would you say the percentage is from your loss from a difference between a Saturday and a Sunday? Twenty percent, thirty percent. People, I don't know. that's that's a promoter deal. I don't, right. I don't know. I mean, I think whoever's going to go to the race is going to go to the race. Yeah. Regardless the, of what day yeah, it's on. Yeah, the fact that it's on on streaming is not keeping anybody from not going. Right. So, like, the year at Nationals when it got moved to a Sunday, you know, me and Nate made the decision, like, you know, do we go home because we got to work, you know, Monday. And, you know, we bought the tickets. We're going to the races. Yep. You know, well, who cares what time we come home? But, yeah. So, I mean, that's just one of those things. I And you're going to complain about it. I mean, taking a social media is kind of a bitch move if you ask me. It's kind of I mean, way, I mean, it's a way to draw attention with out. I mean, it's not going to solve anything. You're going to be like, oh, well, look it's at click, me. Look at me. It's clickbait. I mean, yeah. that's all it is. It's to actually draw attention to the, your issue, but you're drawing it in a bad way. Yeah. I think, I think you're turning off more fans than you are getting, getting fan support by going and doing and complaining like that. Yeah. But that's not, just me. Yeah. I mean, it's not helping it. No. You know, but it is what it is. I mean, to me, no, it doesn't bother me. But yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that, uh, that, I don't know. It's just one of those things that, uh, well, I mean, to be all honest, if you're not going to drink bang regardless, what's the point of yeah. <laughs> complaining about the drink that was in the stand? Yeah. So, like, if everybody drank beer, they're not going to drink bang. Yeah, they're not. They're not handing out free Bud Lights. So no. with that being said, let's take a quick break. We'll be back on the other end with Frank Lucia.
fans joining us now on the telephone is the general manager at emi frank galusha he's also a hell of a racer frank how's it going tonight oh not too bad guys thanks for having me how you guys doing uh i can't complain we're out here talking racing so it's a pretty good uh what does it say thursday night yeah you can't beat that absolutely something i've always kind of wanted to ask you about is how what made you want to start your racing program that you're doing uh, as far as the development program is yeah, concerned yeah the development program yeah, I don't know. I just, um, I don't know. It's been a, an evolution of, of goals over the years, right? Um, as I started my career at EMI um, about eight years ago, um, I found that it was quite rewarding to be able to offer so much help to, to my peers, right, in the in the racing community. And, and um, just the gratification of that, you know, Motiv- motivated me to keep pushing forward with my career and trying to evolve and, and, and do more. Um, and then, you know, over the years, we've obviously got to watch teams like Keith Coons and, uh, Clawson Marshall and, and those guys have kind of been an inspiration for me. So I thought, well, you know, I, I, I think I could do the same thing maybe on a small level with micros. Cause that's what I've done my whole career. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was just pretty vocal about, 
my aspirations with, with people that I talk to, you know, just on a daily basis, customers. And, uh, I got an opportunity about four years ago with a kid from Texas, um, where his family, you know, they, they kind of bought into some of my dreams, right. That I had expressed and, and, and they helped me create, um, my business FG development LLC. So, um, yeah, we had a two car team going where I got to race with a youngster and, uh, had quite a bit of success, a lot of interest developed. And, you know, here we are now with a four car race team and, and, uh, I've had a handful of different clients I've gotten to race with. Uh, I even had, uh, the opportunity to race with, uh, the likes of Justin Grant. He drove one of my cars and it's just, uh, yeah, man, we're just, the dreams are continuing on every day. It's, it's evolving. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's a little bit about, uh, where I'm at now. So, so you're like, what, four years in this deal? Are you hoping to get like a 10 car team like Keith Coons at one point or are you kind of content with four cars right now? Um, well, I've never actually operated four cars at once. So, um, you know, it's just a one day at a time type thing. I think, uh, I'm already to a point where I might've bitten off a little more than I can chew, <laughs> but, uh, you know that what I mean? Like it's a, it's a lot of work because I don't, yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. I've, uh. I've done a lot of this on my own, you know, I've, I've gotten, you know, pretty much my only support along the way has been my father. So I don't have a lot of help doing this, you know, a full-time job, kids trying to work on race cars and go racing. And it's uh yeah, it's never ending. So maybe someday I can get to a 10 car team type deal. Um, but yeah, I'd have to maybe drop a job or something, right. I couldn't do all that. At, uh, so let's tell, tell us a little bit about some of your drivers you got for this year. I know you've kind of told me a little bit at the shop, but I'm just kind of curious about some of them. Um, yeah, so this year full-time, I've got Dylan Cadis racing with me as a teammate. He's just, uh, he's been a good friend over the years. He's actually, he's not one of the ones that needs to be developed, right? He's uh, um, a new addition to the team. Um, he brought along some sponsorship to race with us, and we're going to, try to just hit a few of the marquee events, maybe not overdo it this year. Um, but, but work towards building, um, a bit of a multi-development team with, with, uh, with a couple veterans. Right. And, uh, I've got a couple races, uh, potentially booked with, with some future clients. Uh, but this year we're, we're pretty much open. I've got two cars, open seats, uh, yeah. So is it more of a scouting thing where you scout talent or is talent come to you? I guess a little bit of both, you know, I've, uh, I'm not necessarily looking for talent. I'm looking for people who aspire to, to chase a, de- a dream, right. And, and to be able to be, a, be able to help people achieve their goals and, uh, to be able to offer my experience with them and, 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 you know what I mean? Work with people. That's, that's ultimately what I want to do. I, I apologize for being a little, uh, emotional with you just uh you know even just trying to talk about my career and what i've got going on and just even mentioning mentioning him you know what i mean it just i get a little choked up and um you know i'm sitting here looking at my two-year-old son who i hope someday wants to race right i, I uh you know i got to share that bond with my father but uh you know the things i think about is you know, having my father around for maybe the first moments where he might get in a race car or whatever. And, and, and to be really honest, a lot of what I'm doing is, is, is for my children. Um, you know, I, I want to, I want to be able to 
subsidize my income and, and feed my family, you know, especially during times like right now where it's difficult, you know what I mean? The economy is uh, a little rocky and, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I bust my ass all day, every day. And, and, um, you know, I look at these kids, you know, my own and, and, um, I just want to give them the world. That's what it is. I figured if, you know, if I can learn how to, to work with other people, I mean, the youth and, and, you know, people my age, I, you know, last week I, or a couple of weeks ago, I got to put Mike Boston in my car and that was oh man the thrill of a life. Yeah, okay. that was a, I was going to ask you about that. Cause I, I saw that he what, was at a cam and I saw Mike Boston was yeah. in a 12 car. I'm like, that's Frank Galusha's car number. <laughs> what the hell is Mike Boston doing in a 12 car? Yep. Yep. No. And that was, dude, that was the, one of the greatest joys of my life. I mean, growing up. So, so, um, I've, I've always been close to the Boston family. I mean, I've known them as long as I've been alive yeah, and, uh, you and Jordan run around wavelength right, yeah, all the time. Exactly. Right. Right. And, and, uh, you know, Mike built all my race cars growing up, you know what I mean? I, from my Python chassis when I first started to all my vision chassis when, when he started vision sports and, uh, it wasn't until I went sprint car racing when, I mean, he kind of stopped building cars around the same time, but, uh, now he works for me. So I don't know if you guys knew that, but, but Mike, Mike's a welder fabricator in our shop at EMI. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I work with a lot of great people that I, I looked up to growing up as a kid that, that are now, you know, my, my peers and my colleagues and, and, uh, you know, just to do fun things like that. Right. Like I have all this racing, racing equipment and I can, you know, let's go have some fun with it. And, you know, to give, just to take the opportunity to put one of my lifelong heroes, you know, childhood idols in one of my race cars, somebody I look, look at as family of my own. Right. And, uh, so that was fun. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like I have, a, a very great understanding of the mechanics of these race cars and how they work and, and how to get the most out of them. Um, I'm not necessarily the, the greatest at what I'm doing. Right. Um, there's always somebody that's better than you, but, uh, I feel really confident in, in what I do, um, at least on my own stuff. And, um, well, you it, know, I get, it, it sounds like you're putting around a nucleus around you to kind of, to succeed. I mean, you're getting guys that you trust, in the, you know, building the cars. And it seems like, I mean, by putting right. Austin there, that's someone that you trusted, you know, with your career that to me, you know, it just shows you're putting talent behind EMI behind all the chassis stuff you guys do. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see that, you know, it's like an all-star team. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's, uh, it's been a neat ride, you know, getting to this point. And, and I guess ultimately where I was going with all this is, you know, I, one of the, one of the neatest things that I could ever accomplish in my life is to, you know, be able to give this to one of my children if they wanted it and have them just far surpass anything I ever achieved doing this. Right. And, and to be able to, you know, so, so my dad raced before me. Right. So I feel like growing up, I had a bit of an advantage because I had somebody teaching me how to do something and, and I, I get a head start because they've already learned a lot of hard lessons by, having to do it on their own. Right. And, and, um, so I, I can tell, you know, just in, in going through all this that, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the old man will acknowledge that, right? Like you've, you've oh, yeah. far surpassed everything that I've done, but, uh, this is, I mean, we, we share a dream and, and, uh, 
you know, one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life, I got to, I got an opportunity to race in Australia and I took my dad. So like to think about if my kid could do more than me and, and, and be better than that and, and do all these things and, and have a career doing something that we can all share as a passion that that's like the ultimate, the ultimate goal. But, um, in the end, um, I'm not, neither of my children might want to race and that's okay too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like you said too, that, you know, you're a second generation. Imagine if there's a fourth, fifth generation Galusha, you know, right. ripping around in Nebraska and, and wherever, I mean, that is basically making your, your name, a name that's known like Kenzer, you know, like Larson's starting to do. It's, it's that name. I, when I think of, when I think of micros, your name is the first name that comes to mind, especially in this area right yes. here. I mean, watching you race down at uh, the shootout the year me and Nate went, you know, I, I've never really, I mean, I've watched you race, but I've never seen you in your, you know, in your moment that you're just the greatest thing I've ever seen out on that track. I mean, I told me, I go, it almost looks like Frank's just relaxed and just Sunday drive and just flying by people. like it's nothing. <laughs> And I go, you watch some of these guys and they're like on the seat and stuff. And I'm like, you're just like, you could one hand it and just, just have fun. It just looks easy. You must not see Frank in the pits then afterwards. Uh, <laughs> Frank's an intense guy. Yeah. But no, it's, you know, it's, it's never easy. It's, um, you know, and I'm not, uh, it, it's cool to hear that from you guys, right? Like that, that, uh, there is a reputation that exists or, or, or uh, at least I'm recognized on a local level. I think that's, I think that's really neat, but, um, it's in the, at the end of the day, you know, there's always a benchmark and, um, and that's what we all chase, right. Is that thrill of trying to be that good or surpass that. And, and so that's kind of what keeps us going, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's just, I think where I'm at today, at least on the micro side of things is I've just, I've been doing this for most of my life, right. I started in 97, I was eight years old and now I'm 33 and I'm, I'm still racing these damn things. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I think, I think like anything in life, you get the repetition and, and, and you're going to get better. And, and, um, anymore, it's hard to get those reps just with, you know, diesel prices and, and, uh, you know, tire expense, tire shortages, all these things, right. It's, uh, it becomes challenging. So you got to be strategic about when and where you're going and, and, and why, cause, um, it's not as easy anymore, but, um, how much has that, yeah, how whatever. much has that affected you guys at EMI? I know it's affected us at Harris decals, but, um, I'm just curious. I know you hear all the stories about racing that, Oh, I don't have tires. I don't have body panels, stuff like that. I mean, how does that affect an EMI these days? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's changed over the last couple of years, right? Like it's, it's, it's interesting how all of this stuff has transpired. Cause like at the, at the start and the peak of COVID, right. Like we were seeing record sales and just unbelievable revenue and, and, uh, tons and tons of work to do. And, you know, you feel like you're on top of a mountain, but, uh, at some point, you know, things catch up. Right. And it, I don't feel like it's, it's deterred, sales so much but um i think some frustration has has grown because because like everybody um it's it's hard to get parts it's hard to get material it's hard to get get things these days with with uh challenges in supply chain and and, and all of that so um yeah i think uh unfortunately it's it's i've i've i feel like 
anybody that's that's in business now has to feel like human punching bags because people you know they they pay for stuff they want it and um you know they want to go enjoy their lives and do what they do right like like us racers um and, it, and it's just hard for everybody i think and um so yeah I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens i mean like for us our big thing is like rat material i mean even getting yep. the stuff you guys put on your race cars we're having, we were having issues just getting laminate to put on top of it. I mean, it wasn't, and people are like, well, I'll just use a different type. It's like, well, I could give you the more expensive laminate, but you ain't going to want to pay for it. I mean, it's, it's more <laughs> of, we want to supply you with a product that is affordable. That's not, that's up you to know, your standards. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to make you pay right. for something that's like gold, you know, for, you know, you're going on right. a racetrack and tearing it up or beating it up. I mean, it's, these are you're talking about pricing for something that's going on a car that should be driven, you know, for five years out on the road on a highway, not at a racetrack. Right. So, so you mentioned that, you know, you guys were on top of the world. You're busy. Is there anything new coming out of EMI? Um, I mean, right now our, our, our primary focus is just, uh, building a little staff up. Um, what's, what's, what's crazy is that I, I don't want to paint the wrong picture, but I mean, we're, <laughs> our backlog is, is, is the most magnificent thing I've ever seen. Right. And then <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't, for the lack of better terms, right. Because, um, we're still trying to overcome, you know, 18 months ago, just with, with the amount of work that we got. And then, uh, I don't know if you guys, um, have, have dealt with any staffing challenges, but, um, to find good people and keep good people and, and just have the bandwidth to, um, fulfill the demand, um, has, has been another one of our challenges. So, um, I'm actually excited because the, the new things going into place are more internal, right? We, we've got some, uh, professionals coming in to work with us and, and, uh, just build some structure. We've got, um, um, some new staff members coming on board and just, I think, I think we, we can all look forward to having a, a, a few, few years of, of upcoming extreme growth just from, from being able to, to build up our infrastructure and, and, and be prepared for, um, doing more so, How do you, so you guys aren't aren't sitting there reinventing the wheel when it comes to the sprint car chassis it's, it's still kind of the sprint car chassis is still a sprint car chassis yeah i mean what what's interesting about the sprint cars specifically is you know everything kind of diverts back to the way it's always been you know what i mean the 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 magic about the sprint car is the pickup points and and the, the general construction i mean it's 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 been relatively the same since you know the 70s and 80s right it's um but but the neat part about what we get to do is we we do we joke around in the shop we call it uh burger king have it your way because we have we have a pretty extensive build sheet for sprint car customers where they can customize every little trinket and knickknack and thing about the car that they want you know what i mean and and so it's uh unlike the rest of our production sprint cars are very custom and so everyone is made to order um but it's also our um most lucrative part of our business right we're, we're building hundreds of sprint cars per year and so um a lot of times it, it, it feels like there's not time to to you know invest in trying to reinvent that wheel or make the next great thing right because we're just 
we're just so buried with with orders and people wanting to to purchase what we do you know what i mean already so um it, it helps having influencers right we've got we've got really awesome race teams that utilize our products um one of note is paul silva and and he's got kyle larson driving the car right never so, heard of that guy so that's yeah yeah that's a powerful tool for business but uh you know we have a lot of people like that you know with rico and and just there's there's across the board we've got um we've got a lot going on so it's uh it's just an exciting time i think it's it's good to be um in a position where we're regarded as you know one of the best in the industry right now as far as manufacturing is concerned um and and yeah we just we just want to keep keep the ball rolling and keep growing and and keep being able to fulfill the needs of of this industry right because um it's a very very much a, a passion driven industry because you know i mean it's not like we're getting super rich over here building race cars but uh it's it's a neat community because we all love it so much right and we all share that with each other so yeah it's just um i'm proud of the career i have and and um yeah, it's just, it's really neat to be in this position. You know, something I always enjoyed with you for sure is I've seen you in the beginning and I've seen you to now. And it, it was always cool when I would go over to your dad's house and we were putting decals on and you would ask <laughs> me questions about it. And, and I'm like 18 years old, 19 years old. And I'm like, I don't know how to answer this question. And Nate's like, you just be honest. Don't, you know, don't just be yourself. And I feel like the one person that I know for sure in this industry that's himself is you. I mean, you, you're always nice. You come in like literally yesterday, the funny thing, and Brandon saw this was you come in, you're on your phone and I knew your order. So I went and grabbed it. You paid for it. And I put it out in your car and you left because I mean, but it wasn't like I, I, that someone looks at it like, oh, he's big time in me. No, it's, I know you're in a hurry and need to get it done and get it out. You know, it, it's, it is what it is. And it's, but that's that personality thing. Like, you know, we fist bump at the end because, you know, I look at you like, you know, you, you're my friend. You know, I always told Nate, I go, I get more invested in the drivers I do stuff for because they're human beings that, you know, they're not just a number, you know, that I draw up. It's I design for you or I work with you. And I, you know, being able to design an EMI shirt for you and you were all excited for, it, I'm like, yes, I'm like, I did something. And then, and then Brandon had to print it. I mean, he, he didn't, he had some issues with the black shirt, but I mean, all in all in a doubt, I mean, it looked awesome. And, you know, to me, that was the biggest compliment when you say you like something. I mean, to me, that's, that's a notch in my belt that I got. Well, you know, and I, I, I love the fact that you brought up, you know, just kind of back in the day. Right. Cause we've known each other for a long time. And that's, that's what I've thought a lot about over the last few years. Right. Especially since I've kind of progressed into the position that I'm in now with, with EMI. Right. And it's like, man, I've known these guys forever. They do great work. Their business is still growing. They're my friends. Right. Like they, they deserve my business and I, I really want to give it to them. Right. Like, and I don't know, I don't, other than obviously we had a little bit of a conflict of interest, right. Because a family member of mine was, was in the same line of work, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I wanted, I, I want to continue to give you guys the business because uh, of that relationship you speak of, right. We've known each other for, for a lifetime, you know, and, and, um, and I'm excited to keep, keep moving forward with that. You know, I'm, it makes me feel good that I can utilize, um, 
you know, the, the company that I work for to, to be able to bring you guys more business to. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, we've got a lot of fun things to look forward to with, with future projects and, and stuff we can do together. So, uh, no, it's, uh, it's very much a mutual feeling and, uh, yeah, I appreciate the compliments. Yeah. I guess I have one last question. Just, just an easy question. Um, I've always wondered why number 12, because he's yeah, twelve foot tall. I mean, it's either it was it was always it's been twelve, but it had been like twenty four, I think, before that. But I've always remembered it as number twelve. Why twelve? Yeah, well, in nineteen ninety seven, when I got my first race car, I was number twenty one. It was just the inversion of twelve because my cousin Jake was already racing before I got the start, and he took the number twelve. So that's really all that was. But um, yeah, this is a pretty. It's kind of a pretty deep family story. Um, so. My father and my uncle Bill, who's Jake's dad, um, they grew up just like literally houses down the road or down the street from Kenny Greitz. So anybody who's like a true diehard sprint car race fan that's that's been around for the decades, right? Um, like Kenny Greitz, he won the Knoxville Nationals in 1969. He was nice. he was he was the he was the local hero here in Nebraska, right? From Lincoln. Oh, yeah. And, um, that was, that was my dad's hero. That was Jake's dad's hero. Um, they were just kids growing up, um, instead of causing trouble with the neighbor kids, right. They were over in Kenny's garage working on his race car. And, um, it, it was a couple of weeks after the Knoxville nationals in 1969. Um, Kenny had a race here at the fairgrounds and, uh, he crashed and lost his life. Um, and that was like, I think that was the the start of like what's transpired to where I'm at today. Right. Because, um, my uncle and my father, they had this hero. He was 24 when he, when he lost his life and, oh, and young? like, yep. Yep. And so like for the rest of their childhood into their teenage years, into their adult years, right. Like racing never left their hearts. And, um, it's, it's what they, wanted to do with their lives. And so, um, you know, my dad, he went to trade school, got a good job and it took him till he was, you know, in his thirties before he could put a race car together and put it on the track. And he did that all on his own and went racing and he raced through the eighties, um, into the early nineties. And then, you know, I was, I obviously came along. He, he built me a race car when the junior sprints became a thing and, and, uh, you know, it's history. He stopped racing and I started racing, but, uh, Kenny Greitz was number 12 and, um, we carry that, we carry that, um, it, it means a lot to our family, right? Like that's, that's, um, yeah. And, and I know like for one thing I do remember back in the day was your car looked like Gary Swenson's car. Your, your micro and then interesting enough you, you got the opportunity to drive for Gary, <laughs> Gary so I always thought that was pretty neat because I was like I was like Nate's like all right we're doing this car and I'm like that looks like the 24b car but it's 12 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so you know that's another interesting part of my life like I uh Judy Swenson Gary's um Gary's wife who uh, recently passed away she she helped raise me you know like when I was uh oh, kid trash. Um, when you know, when I was a little boy, when I was his age, right? Like Judy looked after me. She she was my in home daycare, and uh, so I grew up around the Swinsons. At that point in my life, when I was a child, um, 
my dad was a, was just a wrench on Gary's car, right? Like he'd he'd go out to Gary's car lot and work on sprint cars, and then on the weekend he'd go to Eagle and and uh, you know he crewed for John Gerloff. I got to know John Gerloff growing up. That was really cool. And uh, you know I, I I've just always been surrounded by people in this racing community that that uh, have been successful, and I think that's also part to do with how I've had the small level of success that I've experienced is I've just been surrounded by the people that are successful doing this. And, um, yeah, I, it's, uh, I did get to race for Gary uh, a couple times. He fired me the first time. And then, uh, <laughs> he came back after I started my career at EMI. I remember him coming and sitting down in my office and saying, you know, I, I, I think you're ready to drive my car again. And I thought that was like, I don't know. That was, a. Uh, that one took me back a little bit, but, uh, I'll tell you, I always felt, especially, you know, after Judy's passing, like I, if I ever could accomplish anything in a race car, like I, I wanted to win one feature in Gary's car and, and, uh, we were close a couple of times. Um, I was leading a big race, uh, well, it wasn't a big race, but I was leading an MSTS race out at Norfolk. Uh, there it was like, the, There's a series. it was, yeah, it was like, <laughs> the first night back in Gary's car, like years later after he had fired me. Right. And, uh, I won my heat from the back. Uh, however, the invert was drawn. I started on the front row with Jack and then, uh, I just, I took the lead and, and led most of the laps. Um, we had a couple, uh, mechanical issues and, uh, I was trying to hold on to the car and, and I was in heavy lap traffic and I wound up getting passed by Jody Rosenboom and I wound up just, uh, you know, pulling off and I didn't finish the race just because of the issues we were having. But, uh, I think that's the closest I've ever been to winning a sprint car race, to be honest. And, uh, you know, it'd be neat to, to get in one and, and, you know, not that I want to go out and race sprint cars and, and, and go touring and all that stuff. I think that'd be neat, but, uh, you know, I think uh, if I were ever to get back in a sprint car again, it would be, you know, one that I know I could be competitive in and, and um, you know, just just to get one more one win in a sprint car would be enough. You know, I, I like uh, I love doing what I do with the micros and, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty expensive doing this anyway. So I don't know if I'd ever own the have you ever, car. Have you ever thought about getting a 305? Maybe running like the Eagle Nationals. I don't know if you can do that because I think they change the rules, but but have you ever thought about just heading up to Eagle and say, Hey, you want me to jump in your car and see how we do? Have you ever? Yeah. Off yeah. For, sh- for sure. I've actually, I've had those conversations and that's something that, that, that does weigh on my mind a fair bit. You know what I mean? I, I, Eagle is one of the neatest tracks in the damn country for sprint car racing. And then it's in our backyard. Right. So we're oh, yeah. just together, all of us, we can, we can feel, um, fortunate to have something like that if, as, as race fans, because it's, uh, it's a gem, but, um, I want to race there again. Uh, and so absolutely. I, I would, uh, I would love to jump in a car with a three Oh five in it. Uh, um, I would hope that, uh, you know, I could do it with, with good people. I, I know, and I, and I know I can trust. And, um, you know, I, my, my hope would be that it's just a competitive, a competitive piece of equipment that, uh, kind of leaves it up to me to do my job. And, uh, you know, and then if I, if I win, lose or, or whatever, right. I can, 
I can leave happy knowing it was on me to, to, to do that job. And then whatever the outcome was, it is what it is. But, uh, definitely, I think, uh, I think you guys might actually see me out there sooner than later. I've, Uh I've, like I said, I've, I've had some of those conversations, but it wouldn't, it certainly wouldn't be a full-time deal. Just be, uh, on occasion, hop in a car and go have some fun. Well, I know a decent camera guy out there. So if you ever, if you ever (laughs) are out there, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So here's a question. Can, micros run at eagle is it a big too big of a track for it or what uh no they can run there i mean actually back in the day they did an annual race where they 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 bring micros out as a yeah i believe i mean it's been with a couple different shows over the years but like back in the early 90s like when they did it with my dad and 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 you know like i think back boston just whipped everybody's ass back at that time right and and uh yeah, when you I want to say it was like that. Guys, to come show up, like you got Don Drow Jr. Yeah. Just jump in one and try it and see what happens. I want to say they coupled that with some of them like uh, head-to-head midget deals, where it was like the USAC with the Rocky Mountain midgets yeah. or whatever. I don't. Remember. I was a kid at that time, but I just remember some of those special events like that, and uh, my dad racing there once a year, and and I actually had the privilege to do it a couple times. So. Um, What's weird is, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been racing on a lot more big tracks, just traveling around and, and running in Illinois and kind of chasing a bit of the power ice stuff. Um, and yeah, I th- what is Eagle? A third mile? We raced on a track like half a dozen times here just this last year. It was a third mile in Charleston, Illinois. And it's like, whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's good racing for micros to be on tracks that big, but they do haul the mail and it's, it's, uh, from the, from the driver's seat, it's pretty neat. Cause you're, you're booking around there, but it's, uh, it's not usually that exciting. So, <laughs> all right, Frank, we, I would think we've taken plenty of your time tonight. Uh, I know you're out there building some race cars. You got your kids to deal with right now. So uh, thanks for joining us tonight, and uh, good luck this weekend. Yeah, thanks a lot, Frank. Yeah, guys, I appreciate the call, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get her out there, and maybe we'll see you guys. This is the Dump and Chase podcast. We're trying to model ourselves after what you guys have done a little bit. Voice of the Phantoms and friend of the show, Mr. Matt Lipsack. I am along for the ride and perhaps provide some modicum of adult supervision here, although really... That's a lost cause at this point. We welcome back Phantoms president, Andrew Goldman. It went smoother than it did with Matt. I want that added. (laughs) I want that added. (laughs) What are you shaking your head now for? I'm agreeing with you because he has absolutely killed us this year. Well, so far, finger guns has meant Sam shut up. Yeah, that's that's not helping. I'm trying to process. Okay. Check out the Dump and Chase podcast every Wednesday on Western Reserve Radio, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Listen, that like was frightening. All right, we want to thank Frank Galusha again once once again for joining us on tonight's show. Uh before we wrap things up, I saw that the uh the Knoxville uh raceway has uh put out their Hall of Fame class of the twenty twenty two uh inductees. Yeah, and they they are Craig Delansky, driver, of course. Deserve yeah, he deserves he it. He deserves it. I mean, uh Butch Maxwell, which I'm assuming is Maxwell Chassis, right? That I that name I'm not I did for not, sure. Not, I, I'm not quite that name familiar. sounds so familiar. Um, I'll have to get a hold of Eric Arnold and he can probably give us a whole bio and oh yeah of all, all these inductees. Al Parker, engine builder, engine builder. The last one I don't even I don't want to pronounce his name wrong. Bob. Bob Barker? No, not Bob. It's an owner. <laughs> Bob Unauer. 
I can't pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, but that one I didn't know. I mean, the other three, I if if Butch Maxwell is who I think he is, I mean, he built a hell, yeah, hell of a car back in the day. And Craig Delancey, we know him. I mean, that dude rode the top like no other. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, and also, I know that you've watched it. I saw highlights of it. The uh, the Extreme Midget Series finally, finally. Finally getting on the track. Getting on the track uh, with their first races this weekend here at Millbridge out there in North Carolina. I'm kind of surprised Frank's not out there because they got a big micro race going out there right now too. You know, Frank, I think, could, could do pretty well out there on this track. I mean, it, it's definitely a rough track. Um, the first night it was, I mean, it was just kind of wonky the way they would go into turns. I mean, you got the whole Gavin Bichelle, we, you know, Wiedemann's, the whole Keith Coons. Yeah, uh, stable I mean, out it there. is what it is. But the way he was pitching that car in there, he didn't have anywhere else to go. I mean, you're trying to get around him coming in, you know, coming into three. You're trying to get your car to go sideways. You're gonna bump him. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the whole of, car takes up the whole turn. The way the state of midget racing is right now with these young kids, it's, it's slide or die. What, yeah. what Timez says, slide or die. But they put the pressure on it. I'm surprised Timez isn't out there. Now you say that, I didn't even think of that name. Um, but all in all, I mean, the races last night which was it Christopher Bell was there that night and it it was fun. I mean, them guys were just sliding, racing clean and fun. Uh you, you obviously had the Larson flips, which I've very sell I mean he, he wrecked a NASCAR this week. I mean that's two for two that he's got two wrecks. <laughs> that's not a good situation, but not the perfect weekend you want to have there. But he did win the the micro race. So I mean he won one out of the two, but Otherwise, it was all in all. I thought it was a great show. The announcers did well. I mean, it was something different, but you still got the Keith Coons. So it kind of felt like a power eye type. Power eye that. I mean, with these all these series, they kind of all raise the same kind of format. It's the same cars, same kind of rule packages. You know, but they're it. Millbridge. I've watched a lot now of the little kids because you got Larson. Oh, the outlaw cars are. Oh, they're awesome they're fun. fun, and they just hammer down. I wish they had that here. I mean, I know Stu said something. Yeah, about uh, English, Cre- English Creek is, is about the closest thing you can get to these uh, outlaw carts, and that's out, just outside of Knoxville. I mean, you put a wing on them things, they look awesome. I mean, I would love to wrap a wing on one of those. I mean, we did. Ryan, do. Ryan's kid has one. He, he does, one. yeah, sitting in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere to race it. But and then he's another one. He took a tumble this last week and ended up in the hospital. Did he? Yeah. It. I don't know the specifics of it, but... Yeah, it was, it's interesting. So when you asked me at the beginning of the podcast about the you know the show, you know it's interesting how many people are connected through racing or through different families. So like the Alleys, for example, my neighbor worked with Billy's mom, and she she was the first one that came up to me and said, "Hey, did you see what happened to Titan?" And I'm like, "Yeah, how did you know that?" And he's she's like, "Well, you know, I saw it on Facebook, and you know he's doing well, doing better. He's out of the hospital, but that that kid." He's going to be fun to watch when he comes up through the ranks. I mean, Ryan's always that chilled guy. And Ryan's so and, laid back. And Titan, I don't know. He he might be that a little more aggressive. He's got Bobby. He, he's in got him. the Billy in him. He's got Bobby in him more <laughs> he's than he's got than the Alley in him. <laughs> <laughs> but so that I mean, that's the thing that I think triggered me to not want to get Austin or my son into it was uh, Bobby sent me a photo. I go, hey, you know, can can Austin try out? cage cart because i knew he was going to move up to junior sprint she's like sure come on out you know and and we have a suit you can just wear a titan suit and get in it and then she goes but i want your wife to see this photo and it was a photo of titan flipping 
in a cage cart. Way to ruin the fun, Bobby Joe. And I show Maria. And nope, hard it no. It was a mama. mama how about we no. try a drifter cart that he can drive in the circle? And I'm like, that's well, not the same. That, dream, that dream just got sent to the the trash can. <laughs> you're, you're probably better off because it's expensive, from what I hear. Nate told me one time that because I joked, I was like, oh, I'd love to race a race car, and I was 20 years old, and he was like, guess what? You need to have your own business and make a lot of money because you can't afford to do that. Nope. And I'm like, you know, and then nowadays, so I see it, me and you see it, what stuff costs. And I yeah. mean, that's how I got into doing photos is I always wanted to drive. I want to drive a race car, but I don't have $90,000 to go out and get a sprint car. No, I mean, who does? I mean, I mean, yeah, I could go for what I have in photo gear. I can go out and buy a tuner or a hobby stock, but. But that's the lower classes. Yeah, you but know, I want to race a sprint car. Damn right, it. yeah, you want the wing on top. I mean. In all honesty, the what am I trying to say? The the thrill of trying it. Like I think you've hot lapped a car, right? Or not hot lapped yeah. it, but water, yeah. Uh, yeah. push the mud down. <laughs> mud pack. <laughs> but I mean that like Rodney Droud for a good example, he told me he took a loan out for his first car. Imagine if you wrecked. Yeah, the, when I when I was speaking of Droud, so this was back when Droud was doing the NSCA. Right. And I I wanted to drive a race car. I've gone out to Eagle. I'm sitting in the stands being, oh, I can do this shit. And, but I had no clue on who to talk to or what to get into. So I get on the NSCA website. I believe Nate built that website probably. I think I helped him. <laughs> <laughs> Saw Rodney Drow's email, president. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, how would I get involved in this sport? And just mm -hmm. send him out in a random email. And he's surprisingly, he emailed me back. He's like, a lot of money. <laughs> first, first topic. He, he, goes, he goes, but if you have never done it, get on a crew, help out, learn. And he goes, you're not going to get in one of these things overnight. No, but so, you can be around it. Like a good and, example and, is Stu. Look at yeah. Stu. You know, he said the same thing about, is it Chase? Chase, yep, Chase and Nate. They ran it. They helped him on his car and then they moved on. I mean, but. And that's how Stu, I mean, he was out there helping out Gable House for the longest time. Yeah. I mean, I remember putting decals on Mikey's car and Stu was there. I mean, just wrench it on the car, and then he got his car, and it was, let's put all the the chrome colors we can put on this car. It'll make it look fast. <laughs> but that's the thing is you can grow in this sport by just being around it, just being a help. I mean, you can clean clean the car off. You can air the tires up. It's they're, They need help, and they're willing to take an intern that doesn't get paid any money. A grunt. That just pays to go out to the racetrack and sweet, wants to be sweet, around it. Sweep the floors. I mean, that's how you, if you look at the old yeah. days, like when Frank was talking about Kenny Wrights. Yep. I mean, that's probably what his dad and, and his uncle was doing out there, sweeping the floors, picking up tools, keeping stuff clean. But you're around uh, someone that knows all about yeah. it. You know, it, but you're, you're getting that contact. You're getting that friend or person that you're going to be connected. You can ask any questions, you know, hey, how do I buy a race car? How do, what's, what do I look for? And have a lot of money, <laughs> a, B, a, B and C, you know, stuff like that. That's, but that was the cool thing is when I wanted to maybe get Austin into it, I went to, to Bobby and I went to Ryan cause I knew they had a kid similar age, but it's that, you know, you've, you've made that contact, that friend that you can work with. And that's, that's what's so great about this sport is that everybody is willing to help everybody. You just got to ask. Yeah, definitely. So with that being said, I think that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode of Quick Time. Uh, once again, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Make sure you like, share out the podcast, uh, help us get our numbers out, and uh, we can keep this train rolling. There you go. Peace out, everybody. See ya.